from Ringler, this is Ringler Radio, a podcast where we keep you current on the latest news from the settlement industry, updates on nationwide litigation, trends in the legal and insurance industries, and everything in between. Ringler has been helping injured people and their families since 1975. So when it comes to objective settlement solutions, the consultants at Ringler are your go-to experts. Hello, podcast world. I'm your host, Matt Ross, and welcome back to Ringler Radio. One of the things I love about hosting this show is that I get to talk to many professionals with different backgrounds and opinions. Recently, we've had advocates from the plaintiff side of the settlement world, And today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Ringler Settlement Consultant, John Muir, who works primarily with defense clients. I asked him to review the claims process from a defense perspective and share his insights about the ways he helps the defense settle claims and how to make the settlement process smoother for all parties involved. Let's listen in. John Muir, welcome to Ringler Radio. Today, we're going to be talking about the settlement process from the defense perspective, and you are a Ringler Settlement Consultant. Could you tell our audience a little bit about what you do? Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on, Matt. And uh, that's right. I'm a, a settlement consultant. I, uh, I've been with Ringler for 13 wonderful years, and uh, I started out, uh, before that, I was an attorney. I practiced uh, and handled cases ranging from injury to DUI to family uh, law matters. Um, and on, in 2013, my dad said, you know, come along with me. And uh, he had a, a good uh, amount of cases at that point, needed some help. And I've really uh, enjoyed working with him ever since. It's been great. Um, and he is he was a workers' compensation uh, claims manager and worked in claims for years. And he just, he loves that side of it. And so um, being an attorney and then having him work on that side of it, it we, we sort of make a great pair and we kind yeah. of have both perspectives at our office. So yeah. it's, a, it's a good deal and I really enjoy it. All right. So John, you mentioned you handle workers' compensation claims. So I was hoping you could walk our audience through from a high level what that process looks like from start to finish. Yeah, sure. So. Um, we do handle those claims. We handle on the comp side and liability side, but uh, there are sort of varying uh, nuances to both of those processes. So on the uh, claim side, <clears throat> specifically on the defense side, a claim adjuster will receive a case and will evaluate the case, investigate the case, manage it in terms of payments, and then dispose of the case, hopefully via settlement. And, That's a lot of work. Uh, yes, it's a it's a a great amount of uh, you know irons in the fire, so to speak. And the plaintiff <laughs> yeah. rep is solely responsible for handling all of those. Where on the plaintiff side, you know, you have a you typically have a an attorney and his or her staff, and you know they're tracking down medical records and billing. And, you know, um, again, on the on the defense side, you might have an attorney, but the claim rep is sort of coordinating everything. They're making the decisions, they're getting authority, and they're deciding, um, you know, how to proceed. And on the work comp side, it's especially difficult because there are a lot of uh, faucets uh, of money being paid, turned off and on. 
And so, okay. you know, you, you'll have TTD, which is a weekly benefit paid to the injured worker. Okay. And then you, you'll have medical payments uh, for, you know, injuries that may or may not re- be related to the claim. And so the adjuster in those cases has a lot of decision making to do and sort of has a lot of responsibility that's all hap- happening simultaneously. They've got a lot of, yeah. you know, uh, records to review. They've got a lot of payments to administer. And then all while that's happening, they have to move toward a settlement. Okay. So once you get to that strategy point uh, in, in this claims process, um, what what are some of the advantages that the adjuster can benefit from by getting you involved? I'm guessing maybe that's where you start to uh, insert yourself or you get calls for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. As I, as I mentioned, adjusters have a lot to do. Um, they're investigating, evaluating, managing, and, you know, all that we do, all that we do at Ringler is, uh, you know, involve ourselves in the settlement. That's not to say that's all we do. We're, we're consultants mm-hmm. and we provide a lot of, uh, good input about the settlement. But as I said, the adjusters are taking care of a lot of different things going on all simultaneously. So yeah. uh, it's good to involve a settlement consultant uh, for the sole uh, reason that uh, the consultants are focused and driven towards settlement. And that's more or less our only focus. And so, you know, you can sort of have a invite a specialist onto your team by adding a broker. And it's just a great way to sort of take work off of your desk. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So what, what, what did you bring to the process specifically? What, what, what can you help them with? Well, um, on, you know, on indemnity, uh, liability cases, uh, we offer financial incentives through our structures that may entice settlement. So, you know, we may be able to structure the attorney's fees. We offer the claimant free money management via an investment that's, you know, there's only one fee uh, paid at the time of the purchase of the annuity. Um, we can assist on minors cases where you can't pay money to a minor and where that minor wants to avoid a lot of fees and costs in the future. And then, you know, we can do liability transfers, which is, you know, as a claim adjuster, if you have that case, it's not going anywhere. <clears throat> it's not going to settle. It's an old one. We can take a, an annuity and write um, on the comp side, you know, the payment of those benefits that you would be making, which uh, terminate if there's a change in liability. So it, essentially what it does is take the case off of your desk for all administrative purposes. And then you don't have to set reserves. And we see reserves reports that are 16 pages long. And, you know, just to add that to a claim rep's desk, you know, it's just taking a lot of work off your desk. It doesn't need to be there, especially on a case that's not just not going anywhere on the work comp side. On the medical side and in workers' compensation, we see a lot of MSAs. Uh, The MSA also has a few uh, holdups that can include, you know, well, who's going to pay the money when the claimant receives it? You know, in a workers' (laughs) compensation case, the claimant's used to submitting the bills to the insurer. The insurer pays for them, takes care of all the, you know, reporting, et cetera. 
And once there's a settlement, there that person, that party goes away. The carrier is not involved anymore once there's a settlement. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see cases where the uh, injured person is, you know, <clears throat> has some trepidation about doing that themselves. And uh, we'll also see cases where the uh, injured party is worried that the amount in the MSA is not going to be enough. And so in those cases, we use a lot of times professional administration. And and so just adding pers- professional administration alone extends the life of the money in the Medicare set aside. Additionally, um, uh, using an annuity to fund an MSA saves about, you know, on average, 25 to 30 uh, percent off paying it as a lump sum. I'm curious, sitting where you're seated and with a lot of defense work that you do do, what are some of the misconceptions that maybe the other side, in this case, the plaintiff bar may have when it comes to insurance carriers or defense clients or claims in general that may be a sticking point in some of the conversations they have in those settlement conferences? Yeah. Um, well, you know, without angering anyone that I work with on the plaintiff side, <laughs> I'm just going to discuss sort of the misconceptions yeah, yeah, yeah. that exist in general. Um you know, uh, I think a lot of people you, you'll see uh, you'll see late night um, attorney ads that say, you know, insurance companies only want to delay, deny and defend mm. and they're not going to give you your money or whatever. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> that may have been true at a time. Um, but but now, you know, the insurance industry is so regulated that it, it's almost impossible to do that and not risk bad faith claims. Right. Uh, The other thing that we find is that, you know, I think a lot of the forward thinking insurance companies that we work with, they don't see those tactics as, you know, fiscally advantageous. They're not, um, they're not going to, you know, if, if that's the way you approach every case, you're not going to win in the long run. You're right. Mm. Um, you know, uh, yeah, you'll be out of business pretty quick. Right, you'd be out of business. <laughs> you'd, you'd have bad, um, you know, image. Uh, y- your image reputation. To the, uh, customer. Yeah. yeah, your reputation. Yeah. I think you would be um, poor for the uh, customer base, and you know, you'd have you'd have cases open that would last forever, and when when you could dispose of them, and then again, that reflects affects your reserves and your loss run ratios, etc. So. Um, it's not as much a tactic that we see. Um, that said, you know, the insurance company, I think their their approach is to pay exactly what they owe and nothing more. And that's the nature of, you know, a lawsuit is there's a conflict. There's two sides that yeah. see maybe there's no question in, in liability or maybe in work comp, there's, there's not a question of liability. It's just whether you were injured in the scope of your employment. So, yeah. um, you know, if they're two sides are sort of arguing on what the value is and, you know, just because they don't agree, that doesn't mean that they're purposefully sort of delaying or denying the claim. Well said. Well, I, I hate to do this, but we have to wrap up our conversation and sure. I'm going to give you a, a, a power I don't know if you've had before. I'm going to give you a magic wand right now. And I need you to wave that magic wand and tell us if you had that power to make the settlement process smoother for all parties involved. Sure. What would you do? 
if the Juan's not going to give me a Ferrari, which I can do, <laughs> I'll just, yeah, I'll go with making settlement easier. <laughs> um, I would say that you want, you want to be clear in your communications, right? Mm. So you want to be, leave no confusion. And again, on the claim rep side, that is, that is incredibly diff- difficult to do because you've got so many cases that you're handling all at once. And, you know, your, your emails have to be brief. And so if you leave something out that in turn causes confusion, like say, for example, when I was talking about MSAs, is that going to be structured? Is it going to be pay- paid, you know, in lump sum? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I can't tell you how many times we're working on the side of the claim rep and we get to the final settlement contracts and it's not clear that the uh, MSA is being annuitized. And oh. so, um, you know, when that comes as a surprise, there's a lot more pushback sure. from the plaintiff side than if it's understood, you know, at the, mm-hmm. at the outset. The other thing I would say is that, you know, and again, this, this kind of all boils down to good communication, like so much of life. Uh, but I would say that if I if I had a magic wand, I would sort of uh, use it to ensure that people, um, when things aren't getting civil, aren't civil, that you don't respond in kind. And so um, a mm. good thing that I learned from my dad is a lot, a lot of negotiations involve this sort of what he calls horse trading. I call it back and forth <laughs> bargaining. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's where somebody starts out with a demand that's like, you know, without $50 million. Absurd. absurd. Yeah. <laughs> a little absurd. Yeah. And then they come back with, well, how about, how about five bucks in a, you know, <laughs> in a Bud Light or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, and it just goes nowhere, you know? And yeah. I think that the thinking is, well, if they start really absurdly high, I'll start absurdly low and we'll both sort of move towards the middle. And that's, you know, that's a common practice. So I'm not saying there's no merit to it. It's just you can make a reasonable offer and then stand your ground. You can you can say, hey, I made an offer within the settlement range. I appreciate that you came down off your nine you know, million dollar offer. Mm-hmm. Um, but the settlement range is 100 to 150,000. And that's what it is. And so when I offered you 95, that's where I'm staying. Um, and that that just, you know, when you make... Any correspondence, uh, again, especially from the claims, uh, the claim reps' perspective, takes a lot of time. It takes the claim reps' time. It takes the defense attorney's time. It takes the plaintiff's attorney's time. It takes the injured person's time. Right. And so when you factor in all that time mm. that goes into one correspondence, it's a lot of waste if it's not made, you know, if, it, if an offer or demand is not serious. That goes for plaintiff's attorneys, too. You know, they yeah. – um, I think there's just a lot more movement. And again, it boosts credibility when you come out with something that's reasonable rather than just saying, saying something that's, you know, way outside the range of, right. uh, of, um, you know, the, a, a fair settlement. Right. The other thing that, that, that good commu- communication does and, and sort of to, to go off of what I was just mentioning, where you want to make a reasonable offer is that, you know, doing that sort of thing, sort of treating like everybody like they're real people and not in some sort of, you know, um, game of chess. When you treat people like they're real parties to the settlement, 
it sort of creates trust and boosts your credibility, right? So if I come with an offer that's Hmm. just shy of a reasonable range, now I have credibility. If I'm an adjuster and I say, I'm going to make your payment to you within a week, or I'll have this to you within a week, and I do that, well, now the injured person's, you know, I'm, I'm building credibility. Yeah. And so doing exactly what you say, what you communicate is important because then, you know, if you don't do that, you basically create this, uh, the shadow of, of doubt over you. And then even if your offer is reasonable and real, it's still got that shadow of, of doubt casting, right? So it's important to, um, you know, be authentic and be, and follow up and just, it, it all boils down to really good, good communication. And when, when everybody has good communication, we're sort of all working toward the same uh, goal. When everybody's pushing towards the same goal, it's a lot easier to get there. You've left uh, a, a very profound statement for our audience. So thank you very much, John, for your time. Sure. Thanks for walking through this defensive perspective with us. Um, best of luck in all of the future settlements you have. And hopefully that magic wand uh, gains its power and uh, you can start waving it over this future settlements you're in. That's right. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks, man. <laughs> Before we go, if you're a fan of Ringler Radio, be sure to like and subscribe to the show on all the major podcast platforms and follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook. We'd also like to thank our Ringler Radio sponsors, American General Life Company, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, Prudential, and USAA. To learn more about working with a Ringler settlement expert, contact your Ringler consultant by locating them at www. Ringler Radio is a production of Ringler Associates. All of the opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not represent any legal, tax, or financial advice from Ringler Associates. For more information about how to work with Ringler, visit www.ringlerassociates.com.